0: Log Talk Radio
1: Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guests by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlets. And swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Sledberg, and I'm excited to have you along for our show today called Top Ten Mistakes in Marriage and How You Can Avoid Them. Our guest, Beth Stefani Stefania, sorry, I had it earlier and then I lost it again. But Beth is going to share with us. A lot of ideas that can really improve your marriage, and I'm excited to learn these for myself. So during this hour, we're going to discover the number one mistake wives make and how to overcome it in one simple step, the secret weapon every wise wife has in her arsenal, the savvy girl's response to conflict, how to transform your own volatile emotional, emotions for relational peace, one super surprising strategy that smart women master, a simple sidestep that can save your marriage, when and how to face up to your faults, exactly how to avoid codependency in a loving relationship between two broken people, the role of forgiveness in a healthy relationship, and the true definition of love and why you must embrace it today. Our guest today is Beth Stefaniak. She is a life coach, a blogger, and a speaker with a master's degree in marriage and counseling. She and her her pastor husband have a passion for mentoring couples. Through the challenges of marriage, and you can learn more about her over at www.messymarriage.com com. Welcome to you, Beth. Thanks so much, Marnie.
2: Glad to be here.
1: Well, it's exciting to have you here, and it's you know we are right on the heels of Valentine's Day, so love is in the air. <laughs> We're <Yeah>. going to <laughs> talk about talk about marriage. You know, it is. How long have you guys been married?
2: It'll be thirty years in May. I can't believe it, but yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah and we're 33 and a half years here in our home and oh, really? you know you you would think you would think that after all this time you know three decades of being married that we would have it all figured out and that we would have to have these perfectly you know well-greased <laughs> relationships and yet it sure seems like I can keep learning about this <laughs> I'm sure the whole rest of my life I'll keep learning about it oh yeah so, yeah
0: definitely yeah i'm
1: a, i'm really excited to hear what you have to share and you are kind of I mean, your title, of your website, kind of says where you're coming from. That you aren't expecting us, as listeners, as as people getting trained by you today, to come with a perfect marriage. You're you're expecting that we're coming with just the kind of marriage that a kitchen looks like after you made a meal. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. You know, it's lived in the lived
2: in look. <laughs> yes, a good analogy for it. Yeah, I, oh. I believe that when I came into marriage, I was a pastor's daughter, and I had all the you know, spiritual training and upbringing, and I even had a master's degree in marriage and family counseling. So I thought I was going to be, you know, the poster child for a perfect marriage. And lo and behold, that wasn't the case. So, so yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty difficult for I'd say the first ten to fifteen years. And not to say that we're, you know, we've got it all figured out now. But, but yeah, that's where that. The messy marriage blog kind of was born from all of that.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I remember thinking after I got married, I remember thinking, you know, I, I thought I was a kind of a nice person before. <laughs> wow, how did this bring out this, this side of me that I didn't even know was there? Well, let's go ahead wow. and dive right in because we have 10 marriage mistakes. We're going to try to get into this one hour. So, first okay. of all, I want you to disclose to us what's behind our number one, the number one mistake wives make, and how we can overcome it in one simple step.
2: Well, I, I shared some, some different uh, mistakes that I made in my marriage, and, and one of them was to never ask for help. Uh, but um, at this point in my life, when I look back on that, I feel like that was part of the problem, but I think for me, the biggest problem was feeling like I had to change my husband into, you know, this perfect husband in order to to have a good marriage. So even though it, it started out, you know, feeling like it was just a matter of I need to learn how to ask him for help, now I I view it as I needed to ask the Lord for help, not not necessarily my husband. Hmm. So how did you make that
1: transition?
2: Um, I think it was uh, really just my walk with the Lord. The Lord kind of revealed some of that to me. And, you know, I would continually uh, get on that crazy cycle that uh, Emerson Egerich talks about a lot. And we would fight, we get into this same old, same old fights. And um, it really wasn't about what we were fighting about. It was about Our hearts, and you know, I couldn't change my husband's heart. But um, as I went to the Lord and would pray about it, because I I would honestly, I would go in prayer and just complain to God. (laughs) But He took that um, willingness for me to be open and honest with Him, and He began to chip away at my heart and soften it. And it took a lot of years, but um, as I began to pray and began to study you know, God's word and, and apply it to my life, I began to see that I was really in effect making my husband um, my savior, my idol. Right. You know, he had to be uh, the one doing the right thing or acting in the right way in order for me to be happy. So, um, so then it became about learning to, in those moments, shift my way of thinking and seek God's help, um, seek God's insight into what I was doing, not necessarily into what my husband was doing, although that was part of it, but my primary focus had to be on what am I doing, what am I thinking that's uh, simple and, and hurtful to my husband, and how can I change that?
1: Yeah. yeah, it is, it is the number one. I, I agree that that is the number one mistake that we make is too much, um, too much focus and pressure on him. To be everything for us, you know, he just yes. he can't do it. it
2: God really right. never
1: intended for him to, you know, replace God. <laughs> so right. when we yeah. do that, when when we do that, it's just not fair to anybody, not fair to us, not fair to him, and definitely not fair to God, because God already wants to be our God. And so, this person was brought into our lives to uh, work together on things that we would never be able to do separately, um, and yeah. to accomplish yeah. things that we could have never done, like create the children that God, you know, brought into the marriages. I, You know, when women are suffering in a marriage, I often say, you know, just think back to what you have received in this marriage that you would have never had without it. And one of the things is these children, under no other circumstances could they be alive. And so, you know, we have these things that he's given us through this relationship, even if it is at times difficult or even very difficult. And, And to keep our focus on that and on the praise side that we're grateful and now we need help <laughs> and take that I yes. love that. love that. Well, your second one is the secret weapon that every
2: wise wife has in her arsenal. I'm dying to know. Yeah. Well, I, it's kind of along the same line as my, uh, you know, what I just said about uh, uh, overcoming a problem. It's just prayer, you know. And I don't know that we always think of prayer as a weapon, um, but I see it in my life kind of coming in the form of three different um, uh, ways it you know there were the times that my husband and I would get in that crazy cycle and start arguing and mm-hmm. over time I learned how to in the moment I would be praying now my husband didn't know I was praying it wasn't like I you know, close my eyes and and drop to the floor, you know, started praying right there in front of him. But I I was praying in my head and asking God, I don't understand how to respond here, help me. And and those times helped. I didn't always think to do that. I still don't always think to do that. Sometimes I'm so caught up in the moment that it takes later. You know, we usually can, my husband and I will realize, okay, this is getting out of hand. We just need to cool down. And so we kind of go into our separate corners, and that's when I prayer process and I prayer journal. I will actually write out, you know, what I'm feeling before the Lord and ask for his help and insight at that point. Um, And I'm telling you, Marnie, it just, it changes me. I come back to my husband, a softer, more humble woman. I see my, my contribution to it, and I can, with the courage of the Lord, admit that to my husband. So now, you know, he used to, he used to be afraid of those times when I would want to pull away. And now it's like he's like, oh, go, go pray, you know, because <laughs> he knows how different I will be when I come back.
0: <laughs> right. And uh,
2: But the third thing is just my husband and I have learned, we, we really didn't start this practice until probably about six years ago. We started praying daily together. Um, like at the beginning of our day, and uh, we encourage couples to do that, and sometimes the beginning of the day doesn't work for everybody. But I'm telling you, when we started doing that, I think that was a really watershed moment for us because it would curtail the conflict that would normally uh, crop up in our day. I'm not saying it kept every argument away, but it really, I could tell a difference in our attitudes throughout the day, just because we did that one simple step, short little prayer, I'm not talking about we spent 10 minutes on our knees, we just grab each other's hands, and we pray, you know, just a little bit about the day and what we want the Lord to do in us, and we're out the door. So uh, for me, those, those three things, um, that's the, the strongest weapon we have. I mean, I don't even, th- I think Satan looks at that, and he's like so intimidated by a couple that prays together yeah i just thought, these are these are the
1: three that i use all the time also and in in that order so in the moment just arrow prayers jesus, jesus
0: a lot yeah, of times yeah. in my
1: heart jesus 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 you know and then and then as soon as i can to sit with jesus and to process it through and to actually i do the same thing i journal it out and really? i just yeah. Yeah, talk to me a lot of times he will uh, focus my thoughts on a certain verse so I'm, sometimes he'll yeah. just bring a concept right to, directly to my heart or to my head um, and then the praying together too and uh, we don't do the same kind of prayer together that you do but we pray together and one of the things that we have really noticed is that if we pray together before a difficult conversation, like one where we are going to have to make a big decision, or we're gonna, we already know going in that we have different perspectives on this. If we pray first, it changes the whole conversation. Yeah. And yeah. I think what I think what I've kind of figured out, Beth, is that um, it, because prayer levels the playing field. We're we're both yeah. just sinners before a loving God. You know, and, yeah. And, and, Good way and, to put it. Are, are, you know, we're at His mercy, really. And he's extended grace to us. And and because that prayer reminds us and brings us into that position, we are there with each other then too. That same grace that God extended to me, I'm more likely to be able to have to extend to Dave if I have just talked to God. So, you know, it's huge, it's huge. No, I totally agree that these things can really, really help. Well, we are going to take a little break and come right back and talk about the Savvy Girl's response to conflict, as well as how to transform your own volatile emotions for relational peace. We'll be right back. There is a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. But when we learn how to allow God to flow His life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marni.com. That's www.marni.com. Welcome back. We're excited to have you with us this afternoon as we talk about 10 mistakes that you can make in marriage and how to avoid them. Our guest today is Beth Stefaniak, and her website is com. Beth, welcome back to you.
2: Thanks. Thanks so much.
1: Okay, let's dive in and talk about the Savvy Girls' response to conflict. And, you know, we did kind of talk about it a moment ago, but there's so much here, and there's – this is – for me personally, this is this is the crushing blow in my marriage. I really hate
2: conflict. I really love
0: peace, yeah. and
2: so it's
1: tough on me. When there's conflict it's
2: hard. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean I grew up in a home where my parents would get into these really bad conflicts and so I came into marriage afraid of conflict and it just really strikes fear in my heart when it starts to, I just can barely feel it out my tension, you know, the tension makes my heart rise, you know, so, um, so definitely, but um, when I think, you know, this question, the savvy girl's response to conflict, I, I feel like it's got two sides to it, uh, at least for me, um, because I feel like there's that part of it where I need to recognize that I can't change my husband's mind or actions. And, You know, even though I say that now, that I know that, there's still, I mean, there's still moments when I'm thinking, you know, if I just said this, you know, Gary will get the whole understanding of what's going on and he'll change his mind, you know, so I'm still trying sometimes to change his behavior or his attitude instead of just saying, okay, God, you change his attitude and behavior. So, um... So that would be the first part of it, but the, I think the second part for me is um, allowing God to reveal to me what I have the power to do. And we kind of have talked about this already, that, you know, prayer and scripture really has such an important part in revealing that, um, but that's, ex- that's exactly the direction I go, is I go towards God's word, I go towards prayer in order to understand what it is that I need to do, what I have the power to do. Because if I keep on trying to change my husband, it will only result in frustration.
1: Yeah, I like to use the analogy with, um, like, for me, it's fear or conflict, and I feel like I get on a merry-go-round. And you know how a merry-go-round at first, it's not going very fast. And if you want to jump off, right. you jump off. But as it builds momentum, I mean, you're kind of hanging on for dear life and you don't want to jump off because <laughs> you know you're going to get skinned up if you do. And that's kind of yeah. how my emotions are. You know, it isn't usually hitting me like a brick wall. It's usually more hitting me like it's growing, 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 growing. And then it's really yeah. hard to uh to let go to just really yeah. release it that's kind of you know where where it can get difficult and so the the key the key for me is to keep do you know the four hours where I recognize I'm in trouble, I release that trouble to Jesus, I pause there and receive his reciprocal gift, which is like um, yeah. either peace or or, you know, confidence of faith that he's got it or something like that. Right. And then I say, what can I do? Because a lot of times if I skip that point where he's, you know, so if I give him my fear, if I give him, you know, this whole situation that I'm worried about right now with Dave or whatever, and I don't wait for him to give me peace, then I just, I really just have the same thing happen over and over and over and over and over. And it's just around and yeah. around and
2: around. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's like that, uh, where they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different yeah. result. So <laughs> Right.
1: Right. So I think that the the trick for me, and it's not really a trick, but the, the principle for me is that when there is an empty container, whether it's in my you know, in my mind or in my heart, in my emotions, that it's just gonna get filled back up with the same thing or worse that I just got rid of
2: unless God right. fills it with something good
1: something better yeah and so to just pause long enough in our heart to let him fill us up at that point
2: well we're
1: kind of on this topic already so just keep going about how to transform your own volatile emotions um for relational peace
2: yeah um again you know i feel like i'm banging the same drum but it's been so very instrumental for me that i prayer journal and process what i'm feeling um, especially soon after a conflict um, because I I can go to a counselor and I can get some benefit from that. Here I am a counselor and life coach. You know, I, I see the benefit in telling others that have skills in listening and helping you process. I understand that. But there's just something even more powerful about going to God because he works in my heart um, when I pray and when I use scripture to soften it. and What I found that it's not just a matter of doing it once, it's a matter of doing this prayer processing, especially when your emotions are volatile or you have bitterness growing in your heart towards your mate. It's important to do this over and over and over again, and every time you prayer in prayer journal um, and you walk away from that, you're applying what God has taught you through that, because that's... Again, that's another. It's sort of like you know what you know. They use oil on a baseball mitt to soften it. I feel like doing the actions that God has convicted me of softens my heart even more, um, and then it softens my relationship. It helps my husband to drop his guard and to come together and to really um, talk about whatever it is that has formed a wall between us. But, I mean, part of this is also, uh, part of it is moving towards a forgiveness process, which, you know, I know uh, we're going to be talking about that later, but, um, but. but I, I do feel like it's the beginning stages of working towards forgiving someone, choosing to forgive, but, but also that process of forgiveness.
1: Yeah. So earlier you said, you know, that the number one thing was that we had to ask Jesus for help and not to try to change him all the time. And, and it's coming back around here. So the analogy that's coming to my mind is my hair. <laughs> so <laughs> if I would say, if I would say, you know, I just really want to do my hair the right way one time and it just should stay that way. Um, because yeah. if it's ever going to get messed up again or need my attention again, that's going to be irritating to me. Um, that right. would just be so foolish because it's, yeah. at least once a day it needs serious attention. And then, even maybe at different times throughout the day if there's wind or something like that, it needs additional attention. So we can handle that with our hair. Why can't we handle that with our husbands? We don't have that much grace for them. We want to just tell them one time, this is how I want it, and have them to always Mm -hmm. do it that way, or else we're going to be upset with them. And, you know, that's where this this release and this forgiveness comes in. The reality is they can't just become who would be ideally perfect in our mind for us. And fortunately for us, um, God doesn't allow it to be that way because we
2: don't even know what we need. Right. Well, and and like you said earlier, when we pray, it puts us on that equal footing and we begin to see our spouse as just as uh, sinful or flawed as we are. I mean, we see ourselves as sinful and flawed as our spouse because sometimes we tend to think we're better than they they are but we really aren't in any sense. You know, we may have a sin that's different so therefore we think it's not as bad but it's just different. We're just sinning in a different area. So so that's been a real uh, help for me to not view uh, my husband as someone who's really so much worse off than I am um and so then i i can deal with him humbly instead of from this place of mm-hmm. let me be your teacher let me be the one that you know guides you into the right path so um so i think that's a really i mean <laughs> if we if we have pride it's going to push us towards towards anger and resentment so easily yeah For sure. And, you know,
1: I'm thinking about uh, when I was talking right then, I was thinking about how so many gals use prayer to kind of train their husbands, like instead of just talking to God like they would if he wasn't there, they they kind of use it as the opportunity to mention to God um, the things that he could really improve on. And, um, you know, in a prayerful way, that's just wrong. You know, it, it isn't really our job. That's really not our job.
2: Right. Yep. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Right. Yeah. So
1: you actually have a super surprising strategy that Smart Women Master. What's that?
2: Well, it's it's being for your husband instead of being for all the changes you want to see in your husband. More than that, even more than just being for him, I think how this can kind of take root is by loving our husbands as unto the Lord. Because I, I hear a lot of wives, and, and even my friends will tell me, um, that they just can't love their husbands. And I always challenge them. I always kind of push back and say, well, if you can love the Lord, then you'll be able to love your husband. You'll be able to act that love as to the Lord to your husband. So the focus isn't on, is my husband acting in a loving way today? It's on, I love the Lord. Therefore, Lord, help me love my husband. through You love through me to my husband. In fact, my husband and I call this loving in faith. We have sort of a, you know, he'll say, so are you loving me in faith right now, Beth? You know, after we've had an argument. And
0: uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's
2: just basically when I do that, you know, it feels, it feels like I'm not really, I don't feel love. I'm loving in faith. But when I do that, it's just the most amazing thing because I feel like God regenerates that feeling of love for my husband because I'm acting in faith by loving my husband. Our love is always going to run out. I think, you know, that's pretty clear in the yeah. Bible that there's the God, agape
1: love thing that he's flowing through us. And then there's the kind of human loves that we can come up with, which is like the storge love, which is, you know, um, you know, I, I just, you know, love you as a, as a mom would love a child, and I have that kind of compassion. Right. And the phileo love is like a friendship love, and then there's the eros love, the sexual love. But then there's this agape love. And the only way we tap into that kind of love is to have God flow it through us. And that's where right. I just run when, when, there isn't enough in me, and that's frequently. When there isn't enough in me either for Dave or for someone else, I just am like, Jesus, I've got nothing here. I need yeah. love for, for the person right now. And it is amazing when, you know, and I think that comes back to, you know, in the Bible it talks about the prideful man in his heart does not seek God. And it's a humble heart that bothers to recognize that I've got a problem, that God wants to help me and is willing to help me and is able to help me right now, and then that I let him help me. You know, and those things I think really... It's like a small child who can't get their shirt on and they're in their room and they're trying yeah. and trying to get their shirt on and they're just screaming and <laughs> kicking and, you know, just come here and I'll help you, you know, you how you want yeah. to help. But that child is so determined to do it on their own. <laughs> and I, I really feel like that's kind of where we get sometimes and, and we run out of love because we're just tapping into our own.
2: There's more there. Yeah. There's more there for us. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty powerful. Mm. <gasps> Yeah,
1: well, this is Marnie Sledberg. We're visiting today with Best Stefaniak of messymarriage.com. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about a simple sidestep that can save your marriage, as well as when and how to face up to your own faults. We'll be right back. If you ever need a guest speaker, or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go, check out WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers. Speakers are available to you from every state, denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back to you. If you're just joining us, we're talking about top 10 mistakes in marriage and how you can avoid them with our special guest, Dave Beth Steffianniak of MessyMarriage.com. Beth, we've been talking a lot so far about prayer, about um, you know, recognizing that it's not our job to change him, and in fact, it's kind of opposed to our job to change him. And you have um, a simple sidestep that can save our marriages, and I'm
2: curious what that would be yeah it's it's along the same line. um I feel like um, that side step is to step away and especially when i'm i'm i've got those volatile emotions or I've got anger that's cropping up to step away and to pray um, but the thing I'd say you know my I, I mentioned earlier that my husband was kind of resistant to me stepping away because in the early days of our marriage i had more of a tendency to just withdraw, and I did pray during those times, but like I said, it was more of me just complaining to God about my husband, and I didn't always come back uh, with a renewed spirit, uh, a willingness to humbly admit my part. It was more, you know, about I would pray, I'd feel sorry for myself, I'd come back, and and we try to hash it out again, and so that was, to him, he just felt like I was, withdrawing to punish him and now I have really worked hard at being clear about when I need to step away and he does the same for me when he needs to step away and just get some uh, peace from the Lord and to pray through something so I I always try to say this is maybe a step away, but it's really my effort to step alongside my husband, step alongside you when I'm talking to him, and, and see things from his perspective because that's what the Lord does. The Lord challenges me to look at this from Gary's perspective, how I may have hurt him, and it just really unifies us. When I'm stepping away, when I take that side step to step away.
1: Yeah, I love that. And uh, when my kids were teenagers, I gave them permission to send me to my room for a timeout <laughs> because uh-huh. yeah. sometimes just with all the hormones flying around or whatever, um, I would just get kind of over the top, and they'd be like, "Mom, do you think you need to just go spend some time with Jesus?" <laughs> no, but even it, you know, and and the thing was, they were really they were really respectful about it, but. Um, the thing is in our marriage is sometimes it really just is too much for our, you know, we are, we are physically limited. It's just be like, if you would tell me to just go, go out and push that bus, Um, I'm not going to be able to push the bus, you know, even with God's help, I'm probably not going to be able to push the bus. And so sometimes just going to say, you know, in this particular situation, I feel like my emotions are just running wild. I just need to step away. I like the sidestep. It reminds me, Tammy Myers has a, a book out um, on love, and, and she talked about, you know, sometimes you and your husband are back-to-back. Back. I mean, you are on opposite pages on this thing, and you cannot seem to make any progress at all. And she says, you yeah. know, you feel like even if you turn around, it's not going to make any difference. But she said right. there is also the option for you to move your entire body around and stand in front of him. And, and you know, emotionally get, get on his team again, get together again. And yeah. I just, and that's what Jesus can do. Jesus can take those times where there's no possible way that we can get past it and he can turn it around. So when you were you're saying sidestep, I was thinking about that picture too of her stepping to the side and stepping in front in love, saying, no, I am yeah. on your team. I am here. Yeah. We're together. Hmm. Yeah. So, so how do you, um, so, okay, we have, uh, you know, we've had this argument and, there's, been, you know, some accusations thrown, uh, some were true, some were false, some were like yeah. exaggerated, and now I am, you know, feeling convicted maybe before God that I did do a couple things wrong, but yeah. because of all the things that were said untrue <laughs> in the of the moment, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say that because it's like, it's not just wrong, you know? I. So when is it right, when is the time to confess our faults, and how do we
2: do it? Yeah, that's a really, that was a real sticking point for me early on, because I think I felt like if I admitted my faults that um, my husband would bring them up again or, you know, might look down on me. Um, So I really struggled early on to uh, be willing to confess when I, when I, had some fault in the matter and especially like you said a lot of conflicts are not uh it's not all one-sided you know there would be things that he would say that were wrong so so that's what i wanted to focus on was what he did wrong rather than what i needed to do what i needed to look at for myself so um you know again it was it's it was a matter of knowing that the safest place safest person in my life was the lord um, and, and really, that's where it began. I began to uh, sense God nudging me to be to get real with him about my sin and my, my contribution, my negative contribution to my marriage. Um, and so in the safeness of that relationship with God, I began to open up and and let him point out the areas where I needed to grow and I used my confessions to God as sort of that springboard that helped me to gain a little bit of courage um, to begin to admit them to others. And I I say others, I don't mean necessarily my husband right off the bat um, because I feel like it took sharing it with some of my, my girlfriends who I felt like had my back. Um, where I didn't at certain points in my marriage feel like my husband had my back. So so I began to open up and share where I felt like I was uh, not treating my husband right. And over time then I began to kind of insert um, statements into conversations with my husband. I, I didn't do it so much in times of conflict, but, but when we were not, in conflict and I felt okay about our relationship, I could say, you know, I could admit a problem. But then at some point, I got the courage to uh, admit my faults during or soon after a conflict with my husband. And that was really a breakthrough because from then on, it was like so much easier in all aspects of my life, especially my marriage for me to be able to say, yeah, I'm flawed, yeah, I sin, yeah, I've blown it, and I'm sorry, and I want to make it better. I could do that in all different relationships. But it wasn't an overnight kind of thing. So um, it's just that gentle, like you said, God filling up my heart with his truth over time and healing some of those those, uh, areas where I was, Broken and believing lies. Really, that's when that's when it really started to make a difference in my life.
1: You know, there's a there's
2: a saying that goes, "Hurting people hurt people," right?
1: And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking here as you're talking. I'm thinking when we um, when we come to a relationship with our husband, or even even all of our relationships in our life. But of course, the husband is you know the closest one, and and because I've, I've, I've actually explored this quite a bit in my own heart with God, you know, why is it that he can hurt me so bad? Why is it that I seem so vulnerable with him compared to um, other people who are also, you know, maybe even have more power than he does or whatever? And it's because yeah. God put that inside of us. We truly long to please them, to be pleasing to them, and to have them please us. I mean, that that yeah. longing. There And so we are more exposed with our spouses, and I love what you're talking about here, you know, Jesus first, you know, then, then you know, once you, once you get there, you know, a little confidence, a little steps at a time until you can come to a point where you can, you know, be vulnerable on a different level than you maybe have been so far. But I was yeah. thinking how important it is that we come to our spouse then already knowing that we are forgiven by God. And that right. confidence, yeah. like for me, that helps so much because I know that even if he should be so wounded in that moment that he still cannot extend forgiveness for me, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. God forgave me. Yeah. I'm okay. And, and, and I think that that's where we get some
2: freedom and some space to, to breathe. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually, my post that's gone live today on uh, Messy Marriage is about receiving Christ. And I just really don't know how a couple that where they're not believers, how in the world they mm-hmm. navigate conflict and challenge in life and marriage without that uh, foundation of God's love and forgiveness, you know because I just feel like that's so important to being able to mend the hurts and to grow together as a couple
1: mhm yeah no i always I always wonder how people can even get out of bed without Jesus it's like oh.
0: Yes, yeah, is yeah. Very
1: difficult, and some days are very difficult. And it's like, wow, how do you do this without the help of God? I
0: we weren't really It'd
1: be like a car trying to run without gas. It really wasn't meant yeah. to be pushed around all the time. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, it just gets really old. So I just, you know, I do wonder about that and in a marriage. It's just so true. Now you've got two of you.
0: We <laughs> need right to exactly. Well, we're gonna Double take a the trouble.
1: Take a shot. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and talk about exactly how to avoid codependency in your relationship between two broken people. Also, the role of forgiveness and the true definition of love and why you need to embrace it today. We'll be right back. Would you take a few moments right after the show and help me out? I am curious who we're missing. So, for example... Do you know of any speaker who is missing from womenspeakers.com? Do you know of a guest expert who you'd love to hear me interview on Marnie's Friends? Or may you know of a major Christian women's event group that is not yet represented over at womensevents.info? Would you just take a moment after the show, swing over to marnie.com and use the support link at the bottom of any page to recommend her to us. That would be awesome. I thank you for partnering with me in ministry and God bless your day. Welcome back. We are on the last leg of this training about the top 10 mistakes in marriage and how you can avoid them. And of course, as we could have predicted, our main source of success in marriage and in any part of our lives is a very close and dependent relationship on God. And uh, Beth has been helping us today. You want to check out her website over at MessyMarriage.com. So Beth, let's talk about um, the codependency thing. And this is, this has really been a huge one in my marriage, in my life, where um, sometimes it's kind of hard to identify what is yeah. love, what is codependence, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know you, I always say everybody should have a cheerleader, and I, I firmly believe that God set it up this way. Home is a place where you actually are safe. You, you, don't, you don't have to um, be perfect at home. Right. Like you maybe do at work or you're going to get fired, you know. So um, I, I think that there, there has to be that safety net. But then sometimes it's borderline like, oh, I don't know here. So I'm so interested to hear what you have to say.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, I've studied a lot about codependency because I feel like I've been a codependent. My husband and I have been codependent. And a lot of times people think of codependency in relation to alcoholism or drug abuse. But um, over the years, they've discovered that the same kinds of patterns develop in uh, any kind of where there's a compulsion or um, even right. addiction to work or, or even spirituality. You know, anything that's taken to a hurtful degree can create codependency. So um, what I would say, you really have to know what codependency looks like um, because otherwise, you're going to end up, you know, getting caught in those same kinds of patterns. So, um, and some of the the signs that I would say to look for, I think the first and most popular, it's really a subtle sign of codependency, is that you expect your mate to be the one to meet all of your needs. Um, You know, there's a book out called His Needs, Her Needs, and it's, talks about how to meet your mate's needs and I think that's good but we can never go into marriage with an entitlement that you're going to meet my needs because ultimately God is the one that can he's the only one that can meet our needs we can uh, ask our spouse to um, meet a certain need but we can't expect that and so when you do that that's codependency and another one might be that you compromise your integrity to avoid making waves or, or avoid conflict um, in your marriage. You, you might take things personally that are not about you but about something your mate is dealing with or is their responsibility really to fix or change. Another one might be that you believe it's up to you to change your spouse, like I said earlier, um, or you believe it's up to you to pay for or repair the consequences of their bad choices. Um, and another one that I see a lot is your identity becomes so wrapped up in your mates' wishes and desires that you don't even know who you are anymore. You lose yourself in that marriage. So those are kind of the signs I would look for. Um, there are more. That's not D. That's not an exhaustive list, but that's kind of an, gives you an idea of what codependency is. Um, but I would say, if any of these signs are cropping up to a regular uh, consistent level that you probably need to seek help. You can't really unravel some of this on your own. So this is where I think if codependency is strong in your marriage or relationship that you probably need to seek the support of a support group or a counselor or life coach to kind of give you some uh, perspective and support on finding ways to navigate out of that, and because it's, you know, if if you're codependent, most likely your spouse is too. I mean, it's it's just sort of a uh, a a thing that that draws codependents are drawn to each other. So um, it creates some very unhealthy dynamics in marriage that that we just can't really untangle on our own. Yeah. No. I agree. And it is, it it can
1: be very subtle. And the other thing is, you know, sometimes, you know, we see biblical examples of this, where sometimes um, the marriage partner is asked to do something, um, even the wife is asked to do something that, um, that would seem to us to not be uh, biblical. Like I I think about Sarah agreeing with Abraham to say, yeah, you know, I'm here. I'm your sister, and apparently there yeah. was maybe the potential that she was like a half-sister or something as well as his wife. But, you know, in those situations, you know, I think we just have to just really uh, pray and ask for peace with God. But I think where, you know, where you can identify clear codependence is when you're not even bothering to do that. You're just seeing a problem, and you're just going along because you want to keep the peace or because, you know, whatever. And and I think that I think that you have to you have to recognize that you are going to stand alone before Jesus and be accountable. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you don't get to stand behind him and say, he made me do it. Um, yes. You will be yes. standing by yourself. And so it's important for you to have your own relationship with Jesus right now, whereas you're asking him, you know, in this situation today, what am I supposed to do and, and to go forward yeah. with that. And Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts yeah. right there before we move on to forgiveness? Say that again. Did you have any other thoughts on the topic of oh, codependency before we move on?
2: well, I just I would add that if you if others have said you've got a victim mentality, if they've ever said that about you or you're such a victim, then you probably have some codependency because that's you know like like you're saying it becomes about what my spouse is doing to me. And they're the problem. You you stop really dealing with your responsibility in the relationship a lot of the time when you're codependent. So that's all I would add to that.
1: So I kind of feel like everybody is codependent a little bit in some yeah, areas. Yeah, yeah, you know, I where, do too. Yeah. You know, I you know, so if you're listening and you're like, oh, I see that in myself. I'm so you know, I I think no, I think it's just really prevalent, especially in our culture where. Um, you know, we get things easily here, and, and we want things easily. And it's very, it's, you know, it's very easy to just start uh, depending on that other person and making them, you know, be the scapegoat for anything that's not perfect in our life, and it's just easy to do. Well, let's go yeah. ahead and talk about forgiveness. We've already touched on it, but this is such a huge issue. It's, it's really, really tough to um, extend God's love you're blocking it
2: because of your own unforgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, and this has been such an important uh, thing for me to understand. I've done a lot of study on it in addition to just what the scriptures and what God has revealed to me over the years. Um, So forgiveness is really close to my heart. Uh, I talk a lot about it on my blog, but for me, I view it as, um, you've got to be at a place if you want to forgive your spouse you've got to be at a place where you're open and you're willing to do the work and part of that work is the prayer journaling that you know I've talked about throughout um, and as a counselor and life coach I would encourage wives and women to begin the forgiveness process by actually grieving the pain uh, that their spouse has has done against them because um, we really need to receive God's healing of those wounds and, and not say, Oh, well that didn't matter. What they said or did didn't matter. God, God weeps with us and God cares about that hurt and wants to bring healing to it. But you can't just stay there. You can't stay, um, you know, with that pain. You've got to receive the comfort that God gives and move beyond that to the next step, I think, would be sort of um, understanding the conflict that and really that that's where we talked about before, where you look at it from your spouse's perspective, and I always encourage women and my clients to uh, view it from what they were trying to do that was positive they they did it in a flawed and broken way, but what were they trying to do in that moment that didn't come across in the right way and kind of view it from that angle, um, understand your spouse's wounds, what has contributed to them moving in a hurtful direction in your life. And when when I come from that angle, when my clients come from that angle, um, it really opens their eyes up and it gives them empathy and God drives that forgiveness even deeper um, into their heart And, um, so, so then I, I take my, I tell my, my clients to go even further. Okay. What is it to hurt your spouse? And you examine that and you repent of that and ask for God's forgiveness there. And God uses all those different steps to soften, um, our hearts and prepare us for that, that ultimate moment where you're laying it at the Lord's feet. Um, and a lot of my clients, and I, I think we kind of talked about this before. A lot of my clients say, well, my spouse keeps on reoffending, um, so what do I do with that? You know, I, I feel like I can't forgive. Well, you, you do forgive. It's just it's that principle of the seven times seven that you just talked about where you just, like you said, with your hair, you continually have to go back and you continually have to have the Lord bring healing and comfort to you and perspective and you repent of your part and you forgive your spouse of their part and then you can move forward and so you just keep on doing that and honestly in my marriage as I've done that the offenses have become less and less frequent. My husband doesn't offend me as often and I think part of that my heart is softer and part of it is his heart is softer so um, it really does improve if you put this into practice on a
1: consistent basis. One of the things you said uh, made me think of, you know, forgiveness is not the same as pretending something doesn't exist. You know, yeah. that's not forgiveness. That's just setting right. you up for a major breakdown physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way later, uh, relationally. So right. what you need to do is you need to look straight at it. And that's where that grieving piece comes in. When we look straight mm-hmm. at it and, and recognize that did really hurt. Um, and and go through the grieving process of that, then that's where, again, that's where you're able to truly release, to get off the merry-go-round and to let God fill that space with something, uh, you know, like peace or love for them or or something that is different from the pain that you've been feeling. And I remember, Beth, when I was um, maybe 15 years or so in and, and I was somewhere, and they, you know, were talking about, you know, you have to forgive your spouse. And I was like, yeah, I forgive about everything, you know. And then he, the, the preacher said, and if you even have hurt feelings over something that happened before, that's unforgiveness. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I wasn't defining it that way at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. still had hurt feelings about a lot of things. And it's like, oh, that's unforgiveness I never knew. And so I think sometimes it kind of masquerades around looking like something that's not, not unforgiveness. But yeah. if you it's kind of the difference between having an open wound and having a scar. A scar, yes. you know, you can scratch at that and it's not gonna bleed. You're just gonna remember, yeah. yeah, that did hurt at the time, but you know, it's fine now. Yeah. Whereas an open wound you just you just bump it and it's blood everywhere again, you know, and that's right. kinda of how you yeah. can tell if you've really forgiven or not.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Talk to
1: us about talk to talk to us about love. And, and, and the perspective
2: of love that will really make a difference in our marriages. Yeah. I think a lot of, well, especially with Valentine's, everybody's thinking about romantic love and the feelings of love that are so great. And especially at the beginning of a relationship and that only gets us so far um, because pretty soon we start to see the, these flaws and, and faults in our spouse and it hurts when they offend us and, And so then we feel like, well, I don't have love anymore. So I, you know, like we talked about, love for me in my marriage, I want it to always be God's love. God's love is the the fire and the engine in my marriage to keep me loving my mate. Um, It's God's love working in my heart so that I can extend love to my mate, to my husband. Um, And so in a sense, what I feel like that means is that I'm not actually the one loving my, my spouse in a way. It right. it doesn't no, mean that right. I, I I can, yeah, you can't sit back. You can't never act in loving ways, but I think it means that the best and truest definition of love in my marriage is God pouring his love into my heart so that I can love my husband. So, um, To me, that's the true definition of love, and uh, I think it can transform, like it transformed my messy marriage, it can transform it into this, you know, living, breathing, uh, really a portrait of God's love that's on display for everybody to see. You know, they they want to know this love, so here we are, husband and wife that truly love with God's love through us, that's going to be compelling to a watching world, I feel like, so... So that's mm-hmm. what I'm always aiming for is let God love through me.
1: Well, and the, the problem with our own love um, is that it, it's a limited supply. So my love has got to be fed or else it starves to death. And so right. therefore, it's again, back all on him. If he's not giving me enough love, then I got nothing left to give him. and That's just how it is. And that is how it is. But God's yeah. love is never dependent on me. God's love is endless. And so yeah. when when we feel depleted, it's because we aren't tapped in to God's love in a way yeah, that can exactly. flow through us. Sometimes, you know, sometimes that's just selfishness and sin in our own life. Other times it's just that we became unaware, taking the wheel, you know.
2: And it's like, so yeah. boy, I yeah. get out
1: of this position and let like, God love me. <laughs> so you know, the way you said, the way you said that, I know some people feel like, well, maybe that's a cop out
2: that you aren't really, you
1: know, loving. But the thing is that if we did, let's say, if we if we said, okay, God, you just love through me, but I'm not going to move, I'm not going to hug, I'm not going to open my mouth, I'm not going to receive a caress, I'm not going to do any of these things, but you just love through me, yeah, that would be a cop out. <laughs> But yes, when we yes, are definitely. the willing vessel to flow God's love from heaven through us to our spouses and to the world around us, then God can do amazing things through our lives and in our homes. Uh, Beth, this hour has been just fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for coming and sharing okay. all this. You've shared so much great content here. And Thanks. your I'm website, so is a be blog. Here. Yeah, it's a blog yes. and there's other stuff there. What do, what do people find when they go to MessyMarriage.com?
2: Um, a lot of what I'm covering right now is about spiritual disciplines and really growing in your faith so that you can grow closer to your spouse, but you'll also find a lot of posts about forgiveness. Like I said, that's been sort of an area of interest and study for me and, and something that I process through in my own life. So I would say those two, are, two things are really where I, I shine the most in, in that blog. Oh, that's awesome. And where's home for you guys? We live in Edwardsville, Illinois, which is near St. Louis, Missouri. We're about 20, 30 minutes from the arch.
1: Great. Okay. And thank you so much for being here. You guys want to go over and visit MessyMarriage.com and check out everything that Beth Stefaniak has to offer you over there. Beth, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Marnie. And thank you all for being here. Uh, it's always so fun to to see you all come and get on the front page of Blog Talk Radio while we're live, and then it goes all over the internet after that. If you want to have a player at your website, just go to Blog Talk Radio forward slash Marnie's Friends, and you can download a player right there and put it on your website so that your guests can um, hear these podcasts as well. And if you have a guest that you would like to have the interview, you can. Submit that over at MarniesFriends.com. Just scroll to the bottom of the page. And also at that link, you'll be able to see all the previous shows and get the training in the categories of life that are most important to you today. Thanks for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.